Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, check one, two, check one, two. Okay, that works. How hard can this whole, you know, edit thing be anyway? I mean, if Dan can do it, surely I can figure it out. All right, let's just try that. All right, cool. Here we go. Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. The hell? Hey now. Man, how come those guys do a tech tip on editing instead of zip ties? Maybe then I can figure this damn thing out. All right. What about... Let's try this. Steve. Oh, Crap. That's West Side. Long coast. We're East Side. All right. Maybe the third time's the charm. Okay. In three, two, one. Damn it. Whose freaking theme is that? They haven't done an episode in 2023? How the hell does Dan keep our intro? Alright, I'm running out of files to choose from. It's gotta be this one. Welcome to the Hellyhead Show. Me, 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 brand, me, brand. Sheesh. Get some new material, will ya? Alright. Ooh. What is this button? Hang on. All right. Well, certainly can't do any worse. Let's try it. Welcome to RCHN. I'm Nick. This is episode 27. And uh, we got a partial crew tonight. So what about uh, Dan? You with us? I see his name here. No, 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 Dan. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, What about Rob? Nope. Sold out of luck. Oh, I was really hoping for a Rob Rob. impression there. Any Rob impressions? A luck, eh? D nice. All right, so Scott's here, obviously. What's up, Scott? <laughs> D nice. <laughs> and you just heard Devin. So it's uh, the Scott, Devin, and Nick show tonight. What's up, boys? Yo. Yo, what's crack lacking, my boy? There we go. Devin, what have you been up to? Nothing. Oh, come on. Something. <laughs> it was a very boring week. I did not do really anything heli related. I mean, I'm getting ready for an event coming up this week. So I am packing for that. But that's basically it. I haven't really. I didn't go flying. Didn't buy anything. Really sad. Any flash parts? No. Um, Luca is in the hospital. So he's dealing with something else currently. Oh, no. Yep. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I wish certainly wish him a speedy recovery. What about uh, where are you headed? 
I will be going to North Carolina to the RCHO event. Right on. So are you going to bring the Flash out or RCHO? Are you going to risk it? Are you going to fly the gas or what are you bringing? Well, if the Flash was in one piece, I would bring it to RCHO, but it's in two. Did you crash that shit again? What? Did you crash it? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Wait a minute. You didn't tell us this. What happened? Um. So I had a little incident where I'm not exactly sure if I forgot to put a ball ink on or something like that, or if I put one on too far or not all the way but it looks like one popped off and it just so happened to be the elevator bruh that was probably it was definitely me and it was definitely really stupid but it happened so not fun i was very upset i was i was like cursing myself out in the corner like it, it tied up in a ball rocking back and forth you know oh how bad did it go in uh, not bad. Tail boom, uh, links, and a push rod. That's it. That's not bad. Yeah, grip arms as well, because it has the say it has the bossed grips for the grip arms. So the grip arms just they're recessed, so they'll oval out, and they have a little wiggle to them. So you just replace those instead of the whole grip. So I have to do grip arms as well, but it's just those four things. It's nothing really major. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. But it was uh, stupid on uh, my part. I'd take that one. Stupid is, stupid does. So that probably will not be going to RCHO, unfortunately. That's too bad. Yeah, it, it, it really is. But I will take my Spectre Gasser. Eh. Yeah, no, no one really asked for your opinion. <laughs> I'll be taking my Oxy 5 Nitro with the Nova Rossi 57. Because nice. it's just a backshit crazy heli that is really stupid because I run it at a hundred percent throttle curve, so it's just wide open all the time. Nice. That seems well suited to RCHO that size. Exactly. That's that's why I bring it there. <laughs> and I'll bring my Oxy five HF. Nice. Right on. Man. And yeah, it's gonna be a good time. I'm excited. Yeah, I hope you have fun. Yeah. To give us a full report. I will give you a report. Anything else? Uh no, that's basically it besides packing for RCHO. And, uh, you know, trying to fix fuck-ups, but that's basically it in the hobby side. <laughs> it happens. It happens to all of us, man. Yeah, I yeah, I know. I just, it was just so stupid. I was like, well, that happened. That sucks. <laughs> it does suck. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It was gone in a flash. <sighs> You're supposed to let us make those bad jokes. Well, I'm the one that thought of it first. This is true. Well, I got some flying in too, man. Did you really? I did, man. I was I was off last week. Well, I was not traveling last week. I was not off, but I was home, and Atlanta RC has reopened. Thank you, National Guard. Uh, <laughs> thanks for your service, if you're in the National Guard, and for reopening my field. So I got two rounds of lunch flights in last week. Uh, one day I took the RAW 580 and a bunch of packs, just knocked out like six flights, and then went home. That was great. And then the second day, I took the Logo 700 to finally remade the thing. And I had a hobby first. So, you know, I've been in the hobby three, four years, whatever it is, and have not had a save. So I brought three packs with a Logo 700 to remade it. And I put the first light in, and it was doing real well. The tail was a little sloppy. Like there was a tiny bit of a wag, and I was like, eh. 
maybe you know new push rod and stuff it just needs to wear in i replaced the grips and some stuff in the tail i was like let me fly it a few flights and then i'll worry about it so first flight went great flew fantastic tracking was off a little bit second flight burned pretty much the whole pack trying to get the tracking right got it really dialed in i was like all right this is cool third flight this is the fun one where i let it have it and i get flying and it's flying great and i'm just having fun giving it my all or, or what i can and all of a sudden fortunately right about when i flipped it upright again the tail lets go so it starts pirouing and it's not pirouing crazy fast but i'm definitely not asking it to pirou so obviously the tails let go i'm about 15 feet in the air and it's funny because i haven't had a helicopter in my experience yet do this i, I could like hear this inner monologue in my brain going like the tail has let go what do you do when the tail has let go and because it's not happening so fast <laughs> i'm able to correct and keep it level and had almost a little bit of thinking time. I'm sure in reality it didn't take very long, but time kind of slowed down instead of sped up here for whatever reason that I'm very thankful for. And it seemed like whatever was happening with the tail, it would catch every now and then, and the helicopter would stop in whatever pirouing position it was in. And then I would slowly lower the collective, and I'm trying to bring it in, and I'm, I'm waiting to hit hold, and then the tail would let go again, and it would piro, fortunately slowly. And then I got her about two feet off the ground, and started to piro, but it was slow, and I just hit hold, and it stopped pirouing, and I just settled it into the ground, and nothing broke. I didn't hit a blade, I didn't dig a tip, didn't fall, and I was so damn happy. <laughs> I swear I was happier than any maneuver I've mastered for the first time, or any orientation I mastered for the first time. Like, I was so damn ecstatic that the tail let go, and I saved it. So that was awesome. That's good, because you know what that means? What? It's a free heli. Now you gotta destroy it the next flight. It is funny. I could hear Scott Graham's voice in my head going, free helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works. So get it on the bench and take a look at what happened in the tail. And the pitch slider had completely come out of the, uh, the pitch bell crank. The ball was completely out of the little cup. And the cup was kind of chafed. I don't know what was going on. It looked like the screw that goes from the, uh, the bell crank to whatever arm comes out of the tail can, uh, had kind of let go a little bit. So I literally have not looked at it since. Uh, I left for work the next morning. I'm actually back in Kansas City right now. And I literally ordered the half of the tailcase that has the arm sticking out of it and a new bell crank. And I think those two parts will cover it. They'll be there when I get home and, and I'll look at it. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be very hard to fix. But the logo is definitely becoming a problem child for me. So since that one tip over crash, I can't seem to get the thing in the air and keep it there. So I'm hoping fix the tail and... and once and for all, it's good, and it, and it flies. So yeah, that, for sure. that happened with the logo. Yeah, I've heard of that happening quite often, actually. Yeah. I mean, there's no, the bolt or screw that holds that bell crank on, there's no nut on the end of it. And it's just in, it's like threads into plastic, which is disturbing to me. So, not surprised. So, other things that happened uh, last week is a lot of the nitro parts I ordered, thanks to last week's episode. Thank you, Devin and Scott. Uh, which, speaking of which, Got a lot of great feedback about the Nitro episode last week, so thanks to those that reached out. It appears that there's definitely some folks getting into Nitro for the first time who appreciated us covering some of the basics, so thanks for those messages. But I got the 3D printed parts from KC3D, Keith Williams' company. I got the Dynatron starter and the Sullivan shaft, so I put that together. So technically, the day one of my Nitro build is complete. I built my starter, and that all works. I went with the DeWalt battery. Uh, adapter that thing's awesome i love that thing which sullivan did you get the dynatron well no like you got the super high torque dynatron uh, 
So I actually don't have it in front of me to check, but yes, I think so. Okay, cool. That that's what most of us use. It they're great, and you'll never ever need to buy another starter. So I hope not. So that's good to go. Sounds exciting. But really, that's it, man. Other than escaping to Atlanta RC for uh, a couple of lunches and, and knocking some flights out, that's about it for me and the hobby. Didn't buy anything. You know, I've spent plenty on the on the Nitro project, so all that stuff's sitting at home waiting for me to get going. I'm here in Kansas City for, for work for the week, and then Saturday I'm home for a day, and my wife's out of town with the kids. So Saturday I'm hoping, fingers crossed, for great weather in Atlanta, and I'll spend the day flying with the boys before leaving again on Sunday. So that's about... Uh, it for me in the hobby last week. What about you, Scott? Well, I'm gonna have to take a no fly again. What? Is, uh... No fly. <laughs> Not again. Yeah. You didn't have one last week. Yeah, but I've had a lot of them lately. I feel like the kid that doesn't do their homework in school, and you kind of just know. So you get it one every now and then, where the kid like copied someone and they have it. That was last week. Yeah, <laughs> it's winter. <laughs> but um, I went to Raleigh area, Thomas, uh, not Thomasville. Um, I don't remember the name. Williamson or something. I'm gonna have to look this up now. But I went out to like where World of RC is and this place called the Hobby Nook to go hang out with my bro Daniel Pridgen. And we raced mini Z's for most of the day, and then we went to World of RC and I tried out some of his 10 skill dirt stuff because I hadn't done a whole bunch of dirt car stuff, and that was fun. Did you order a 10 scale dirt car? Um maybe. yeah i ordered a um rear wheel drive and scale dirt car nice because right now i have a carpet car apparently the place we race carpet cars is uh closing i guess they were using this old like uh i don't know it was like an old grocery store or something i don't know what it was exactly but they were using that building someone wants to move in and put a business in that actually makes money so they're closing down the car section they'll find another building next winter but i'm I'm not gonna sit and do nothing for a year yeah <laughs> wait until that you know i'm gonna strip that carpet car and build a dirt car but currently right now i don't own a single flying helicopter i have a helicopter but none of them have neos because your boy here thought it'd be a good idea to sell all of his neos and then buy those new uh, evo neos uh-huh. and then i found out they don't come out till like march so i got nothing i could send you tomorrow i've got a mini our neo i'll be put on the <laughs> whatchamacallit the Nimbus and send you a full size yeah. new. Ah, oh, it's okay. I'm just chilling. Prevents it from right. crashing. I haven't crashed a helicopter in the longest duration since I started flying again. That is true. <laughs> it's amazing. It must feel great. Yeah, it's it saves so much money. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. I might try and bum Eric's helicopter or something and fly his to to get the bug taken care of. You know, till I get in one of those neos. They said March, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, At some point like in March, no away. updates on that yet. Ten days, maybe. Then I'll be flying again. Hopefully. <sighs> Hopefully. All right. Anything else, Scott? No, that's it. Yeah, it's all car stuff. Sorry, wrong podcast. Yeah, My good. bad. <laughs> uh, so Rob, by the way, uh, this evening is caught in snowmageddon. So he sent us a message via uh, Telegram that there's no internet, which is amusing considering Rob's job is to keep the internet online. Uh, professionally so they've got some huge storm hitting them in uh, snow country i always forget where rob lives where's rob i have no idea no none of us can remember michigan that's it michigan uh so big snowstorm in michigan rob's got no internet so he's messaged us a couple times saying he's trying to make it but can't 
And he doesn't know if he's going to be able to go to work tonight because without internet, there's no internet to keep up and running. So Rob's in a bit of a quandary there. So with, with Rob out, who's going to segue us to the news? Devin, are you going to sing? News, 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 news. I had to mute my mic so I didn't just laugh all over the top of that. That was awesome. <laughs> Can I get a news? Yeah. Oh, a news? God, yeah. Stop. News. So, first, a quick note on the news. Uh, so, I've personally taken over the editing and posting of episodes since Dan has taken his temporary leave of absence, which we'll talk about a little bit more in, the, in a few minutes here. Uh, so, hopefully, you haven't noticed too much of a difference between Dan's editing and mine. But one thing you may have noticed, however, is the website is not being updated with the latest episodes. So that's something, honestly, Dan only knows how to do. So I can post the episode to our podcast service that posts it on Podbean and Google and iTunes and all of the places. But I can't upload an episode to the website. So if you're one of the three people that downloads and listens to our episodes from rchnv3.com, just know that we are archiving all the episodes we will get them uploaded at some point it might not be till a month from now uh once dan's healthy enough to help us out with that so for now obviously we're just not worrying about that so there's a million places to listen to the episodes you can still listen to them via a browser at podbean.com if if that's something that works for you we will get that rectified but just uh heads up and maybe a few weeks before uh, our website is caught back up All right, so moving into the real news here. So Carrie Shirley of GasPoweredHelicopters.com was seen online with an update on the raw Super G gasser helicopter conversion. Uh, Carrie says he now has some Super G conversion kits in stock. So it's been sort of talked about for a while, but now the kits are actually in stock. The conversion kits are priced at $699.99. Now, it's obviously no secret that I'm not a gasser fan, but I will say that this is the best-looking raw conversion I've seen yet. It still maintains the original appearance of the raw. It looks like a helicopter as opposed to a helicopter with this pregnant belly underneath with a gas motor hanging out. So, you know, kudos to Carrie Shirley and the team over at GasPoweredHelicopters.com on the conversion. Uh, it looks great, and they're in stock. So if that's something that interests you, go ahead and check them out. All right, so moving on from there, if you happen to own one of the OG Goblin 700 Black Nitros or Black Thunders, then good news, parts are about to be back in stock. So parts have been shipped from SAB, and you should start to see them in stock at your favorite SAB dealer shortly. This is all part of the iconic helicopter re-releases here. So no word on how long they'll keep these parts in stock for, but hopefully for quite some time. I would guess a couple of years at least. So uh, if you held on to one of those helicopters and you've been babying it, uh, time to let it rip. Parts will be in stock shortly. All right, so some more information is appearing online about some of the newer parameters available within the V-Bar Evo FBL. So you're now going to be able to tune the frame rate at which the FBL operates. So there's an article that's well worth a read over at vstavi.info that describes what it does and the procedure they recommend to tune the frame rate. So it's important to note that, that taking this parameter too far in the wrong direction can lead to a great deal of instability. And even Mikado points out that you should be ready to do a baby auto if things go sideways at liftoff. So tune this parameter with caution. Uh, I will say also, in uh, other Mikado news that Peter Riso uh, has done some great videos on his YouTube channel 
uh, sort of detailing some of the newer features in the uh, the VBAR Evo and the V Control Evo. So definitely check those out. Uh, but I have not had a lot of time to to look into this article, and I got to confess that some of it went over my head. So uh, Scott, did you get a chance to look at this frame rate adjustment at all? So I didn't. I didn't read it, but. There is something extremely similar to this in the drone world for Betaflight, um, where you can adjust the kilohertz, which your um, your PID loop and your gyro refreshes basically, so your your frame rate on your system. So if it works the same as that, you can basically choose a frame rate that works best with the response speed of your servos you're using, or in drones, the motors you're using and the ESCs, um, the protocol you're controlling those ESCs with, and more importantly, you can adjust the, um, the frame rate or the gyro. And what that can help is if you have vibrations in your helicopter just inherent with the design, how it, how it flies, um, you can pick and choose certain frame rates that avoid those like noise floor issues. You can kind of get away from some of the noise. I don't know if they're using any kind of filtering as well, kind of dynamic filtering or low pass filtering. That would be badass too to try and get rid of vibration issues with the gyros, but it's exciting to see that they're taking a, a lot of stuff from, from the drone world as far as stability, because drones are way more stable than helicopters are as far as those fly barless units. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that. That's kind of what I took away at a high level, is they talked about the, the rotor disc and the periods of vibration at certain points, and that adjusting the frame rate, you're sort of looking at the rotor disc at different times, I'm, I'm explaining this wrong, but yes, very much what you said that by tuning this parameter, you can really take, but that you can, you can ignore the erroneous inputs of the gyro senses. Yes, that's it. That you can ignore the erroneous inputs. So at periods of instability and vibration, you're basically filtering those out and looking at the best purest data and using mm -hmm. that to make adjustments, which is awesome. Exactly. Yep. Thank you. In other Mikado news, they've now released the PC setup software for the new VBAR Evo. So I know many of us simply use the transmitter to do all of the setup, but if you want to check out the software, it's available now over at uh, vstabi.info. Uh, there is a, just a simple USB-C connection on the new uh, VBAR Evo. So if using a, a laptop is more comfortable for you, uh, or you're using a different transmitter with them, uh, you can certainly check out the software now. So speaking of FBLs, and I was really... And maybe I'll, I'll save this in detail for, ne for next week when Rom's back with us. But uh, Flywing has released a Rotorflight-based open-source FBL hardware solution. So it's currently available, as far as I know, only on AliExpress. It's uh, $87, and it's really just in its infancy. But this is certainly a strong development towards seeing a strong open-source FBL to go up against the big boys. So essentially, this FBL is a, is a hardware solution, so it looks like a standard FBL with servo connections and whatnot but it has the Rotorflight uh, FBL open source software on it. And right now, these really aren't for the average modeler yet. You know, there's not a ton of instructions. There's not a ton of information on how it works. But I think these will be adopted by people really interested in tinkering with this. People like Rob, who are really into open source software, who are really into digging away at the FBL. So with some time, this could really turn into a plug-and-play solution similar to what we're used to from other FBLs. You know, right now it's kind of in its infancy, but it's great that Flywing is developing the hardware solution where the software can live and we can see it develop. Uh, and I really wanted to ask Rob about his thoughts on this, but he's obviously dealing with the snowstorm right now and not with us this week. So stay tuned on that space. 
We'll talk about in the future, but uh, we'll wait for Rob to come in and check in on that. That was his assignment to research, and uh, he's not here this week. All right. It's time for our news of the week. And we have some awesome news this week. So Dan K. Reed has been successfully rebooted. So Dan had uh, bypass surgery last Friday, and it was a great success. So Dan is now chilling in the hospital, starting his recovery. He'll be there for about a week. Now, obviously, the recovery is a long process, so it's going to be some time before Dan returns to uh, smack us all back in line. So pardon our shenanigans and the episode intro, but uh, we've got to get away with as much shit as we can while we still can before he comes back. Uh, we've talked with Dan briefly since the surgery. He's messaged us a few times here. Uh, he certainly appreciates all the get well messages. And, you know, Dan's going to come back when he's ready. Expect that to be a while. Till then, you're stuck with just us idiots. But uh, make the best of it. Buckle up. Might get a little rowdy. But keep Dan in your thoughts. He's doing well. He's appreciated all the shout-outs and uh, folks reaching out to him. So thanks for that. But uh, he's well on his way to recovery and doing better every day. So we're glad you made it through, Dan, obviously. And we're looking forward to your return when you're ready. But uh, best of luck to you in your recovery. All right. With that, anybody else have any news? I don't okay. think so. With that, that's it for the news this week. Kind of a quiet news week this week. Not, uh, not a ton of stuff going on. So we recently discussed the Urcha elections and the open slot on the Urcha board in a news segment. And we offered up a chance for both candidates to come on the show. So Augusta Arevalo decided to take us up on our offer, which we're excited about. So now if you're listening to this episode on Thursday or Friday, know that the voting for the Urcha board slot closes on Saturday, February 25th. So if you haven't voted yet, do so very soon. So Augie, Augusto, first up. What do you prefer to be called? And uh, welcome to RCHN. Well, actually, Augie. Augusto is more like my formal name when I'm doing business and stuff. I know. So, like, all my friends and everybody, like my family and all that, they, they, all, they all call me Augie. I'm, I'm all right. Augie it is. So, with that out of the way, I know all of us here know you. We know your history and the hobby. But some of our listeners don't. So, before we kind of dig in to Urcha and some other things, can you give us a little bit about your background? A little bit of just kind of a brief overview of you of your time in the hobby and uh, what you're up to currently. Well, um, I started when I was seven. My dad um, got me into the hobby. He used to to uh, back in the day there were very little RC, I mean radio control stuff. It was control line for a couple of years, and then uh, came out the radio controls. I am that old, by the way. That would be, let me think, um, seven, so uh, 58 years ago. That's when I started in the hobby. Right on. Um, All right. I'm not the oldest yeah. on this episode. All right. <laughs> Are you always the oldest? <laughs> we're the smartest. <laughs> I, I can't remember if Dan's older or I'm older, but we're close. All right. So, um, yeah, then, you know, uh, we started having... Attempts at, at, at radio control because it was kind of weird the radio control at the time because it was like pulse uh, based and like you have a push button and that's what you would use to control your airplane and then it came some of the things that were like multiple ones controlled by a mechanism that you wind up on your on your hand it was like a little box that with a wind up uh, mechanism 
And whenever you went like up or down, something like that, it would send a series of pulses that mechanically would be generated by your movement that would free up uh, some locks that would make the thing generate pulses on that. And things like that until we came, we had proportional, which was like, to us, it was like, like magic, you know. It was absolutely magic for us to be able to control stuff uh, proportionally. And uh, those were analog days, you know. There was no beats or anything like that. And, uh, but it was, it was fantastic. To me, it was like, uh, you know, it was a new world, a new world that was opening. And, um, and it, it, made, it made the hobby fantastic, you know. So that's how long. And, and, and helicopters, I started in 1975. I got Heli Baby. They just came out that year. And then some other things, you know, Heli Boys. And, and the, we used to have some helicopters that were, the frames were uh, plywood. Wow. Uh, and you could make, yeah, plywood. You could actually repair your frame by just cutting another piece of plywood. You would go to the store and get a, like one eighth inch uh, plywood and cut it and dope it, you know. Yeah, dope, which was uh, something that we used to cover the, the airplane's uh, tissue paper and uh, fuel proof the plywood and, and go back to, to, to go. And actually, I don't know if you know this, but back in the day when we started helicopters, uh, the concept of, of, re, of uh, spare parts was not, not there. You would have to actually buy a whole kit again if you crashed really hard. So what happened is the hobby was kind of a real hobby in the sense that you would have to learn machining and things like that and get yourself a, an Emco. I remember that was the most popular one, the Emco Unimat. Um, uh, it was a hobby type um, uh, lathe and mill and make you, your little parts and all of those things, you know. It was pretty Wow. Funny. That's awesome. So now when you hear us complain about the price of spare parts, you must be like, and we used to have to make our own parts on a lathe uphill in the snow both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I understand, you know, uh, it's, it's just uh, the sign of the times, you know, we are, uh, it's like us having to, I don't know, to, to take two pieces, two sticks and try to start a fire. You know, you have to adapt to the, to the technology and, you know, it's, it's no big deal. As long as you, you have fun with the hobby, who cares, you know, it's, uh, it's just that, you know. It's fun. That's what it was supposed to be. That's awesome, man. So you started in the very early days of helicopters. Did you stick with the hobby sort of throughout your life or if you come in and out of it? Oh, yeah. My entire life. I haven't stopped. Um, the, my, my, uh, the hobby in my entire life has been a part of my life. And actually, you know, what's funny is that it is the reason why I, I became an engineer is because um, you would learn you know you wanted to learn how to make your airplanes uh, perform better so you learn um aerodynamics and physics and things like that and you got a, a liking for all these sciences and and in, in a way it um guided my life towards um, technology you know? so it is that's why i think it is a good hobby to have because it uh, teaches you a lot Gives you a lot of common sense too, because when you make a mistake, you you know you pay for it. If the thing crashes or or something like that, so you learn from your mistakes. Yeah, that's it's pretty fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I think a lot of us who are big into technology, you know, professionally, I work with a lot of high tech equipment, and helicopters are a fantastic outlet for those of us whose minds work that way. I think so. You've been in the hobby since the early days. 
uh, obviously from the beginnings of proportional control. That's amazing that you've managed to stay in it your whole life. I feel like that's really rare. A lot of us come and go, things happen, we start families, careers take off, you know, we have reasons to, to come into the hobby. So now I understand why you fly so well. So for those of you that don't know, Augie flies at ridiculous head speeds, kind of Devon head speeds, and uh, can pretty much do any pirouetting maneuver you can think of. So now I understand why, because you've had so many years in the hobby. Uh, so what do you want to do in the hobby right now? The hobby? Um, well, if I totally have to kill you. <laughs> Not so much on the development side yeah. or X-Guard, which I do want to talk um, about X-Guard, but we'll do that later, um, yeah, time yeah. allowing. <laughs> what are you flying? No, what are you uh, working the hobby, on? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on maneuvers. I'm working on a lot of mathematics lately. That's what I'm working on regarding uh, physics, flying uh, physics and stuff like that, because I'm, I'm doing some modeling, you know, mathematical modeling of, of, of that for a project that I want to work on. And, um, and you know, always it's, um, there is uh, stuff that I do for myself, you know, little gadgets that I like to make for myself. And sometimes they become products, but a lot of them are just for my, my entertainment kind of a thing. I don't know. Let me think. Uh, oh, I'm in gassers right now. I'm doing a lot of gassers. Uh, I have had a lot of fun with a new gasser approach, you know, those high power gassers. And, uh, but my God, this, this year, the um, winter has been horrible. Over here, we take, you know, we get like a couple of days of snow or something like that, you know, not much, not much snow. I'm, I live in the, in the northwest, northwest, north, north part of the northwest, uh, in the Seattle area, close to Seattle, and uh, we normally have to deal with a couple of days, maybe a week worth of snow. But this year has been like nonstop. You know, even a, a few days ago, I even posted that on on the on Facebook because it was like, Jesus Christ, enough with the snow, you know. And this is the first <laughs> time since I've been here. Been here for eight years and and uh, we never had this, you know. It's so I mean, you, you, I don't know if you remember, I posted um some pictures of this um conversion of uh of a Tron 7 to, to Gasser. I haven't had one day to fly it, I, st I still need to 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 wait for a day that is you know so I can go fly because if, if it's, it's a nice day, you know, sun or something like that. Then it's so cold that it's not worth it. You know, it's like 34, 33, or some, sometimes 29, you know. So it's not good for, for flying. It's just too much. So mostly been doing gassers. And, and, and you always do, you know, putting a, I was putting in a few uh, flights with the 5.8 and the 700s. And um, yeah, I was working on that. On this uh, rotating uh, course crew. I don't know if you have guys have seen City doing a course crew where he rotates it. I think so. Uh, he's, he's doing a course crew and, and rotates it around, you know, because uh, I want to do a video showing how that's done. Because uh, despite what people think, it's not that difficult. It is, it is a maneuver that is just timing mostly, but I'm, I'm working on that. So I'm going to post a video on how to do that. And, and it's, uh, but it's, it's an impressive maneuver. It's one of the maneuvers that I really, really like. First time I saw it was when, um, uh, somebody from Mikado USA posted that because he did that the first time on the global 3d and my jaw hit the floor. It's like, wow, that is a beautiful maneuver. Oh my God. 
that is really nice. And uh, and it's been kind of like his signature maneuver, the Sakarin. And um, lately, some people posted that again. And uh, I thought, yeah, I would like to to work on that because I, I kind of did it, you know, a long time ago, but I didn't spend that much time on it. But now I'm working on that. So that's the only thing I can do right now because the weather is like so bad. I don't, the only thing I can do is, is get on my simulator and, and fly. So I should be posting that soon, you know, how to do that work. And, uh, and like I said, you know, it's not that difficult. It is, it is, um, I would say, I would say like medium, medium difficulty, you know? Okay. Interesting. So I want to make sure we leave plenty of time for talking about the urge elections, but okay. because you have such a unique position of being in the hobby for so long, I got to ask, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you interested in the hobby? What keeps you focused on helicopters? How do you stay in it so long? All right. Um, I'll tell you what happens with me and the helicopters. Uh, what happens is that, unlike some other hobbies, helicopters have one thing that other hobbies don't have, is that you can never fully master it. Because no matter how good you think you are, there's always some maneuver that somebody's going to come up with that's going to get your brain, you know, you're going to be scratching your head. It's like, wow, I need to learn how to do that. So... And there's always uh, something that you can think of that you just cannot do because you haven't figured out how to do it. So to me, it's like a never-ending source of of challenges, you know. And uh, even if you do a maneuver to make it to to make it, you know, but to do it perfectly, it is a big, huge um, difference than just doing a maneuver, you know. So you have a lot of material to work with. That's why I don't get bored with that. Whereas in the case of airplanes, there's a point where you go like, okay, I know how to do, I don't know, the the Harriers, the, the, the hovering, the thing, you know, all the 3D flying and all that stuff. And in a way, you kind of get bored because it's like, okay, what else can I do with the thing? And I just start playing and being stupid. And, and then that's when you get the foamies, you know, foamies are fun because they, they're light and you can, you know, hit them, hit, anything with it and it's not going to hurt anybody. <laughs> I know if you have noticed that, that good pilots end up doing a lot of foamy flying because it's just so much fun and, you know, not dangerous for anybody and they can do stupid stuff, you know? Uh, yeah. But after that, it's like, what else? You know, I want something complex and something, you know, difficult, something that I can, that I can, you know, can be a challenge for, for me. And that's why it never, it never bores me, you know, the, the helicopters. Airplanes, yes, I have, had my times where I haven't flown uh, airplanes for you know a couple of years or something like that, and um, but helicopters, nah, never, never ever. This it's just too much of a challenge always to 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 do a, a new maneuver or something like that. And uh, there's some some other maneuver that I that I that I in my list that I want to work on, and uh, I hope when I have time, you know, I can work on it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's true. But the thing about helicopters for me that works is that I can't think about anything else when I'm flying a 3D helicopter. It, you know, no matter what's going on in my life, it's a period of time oh, where yeah. you can focus on that true. and only that. Yeah, that is a very important part. I, I'm glad that you, you, you said that because it is something that really, really clears your head. It is something that, you know what? It's funny because at the company, some of my guys sometimes go like, you know what you need? You go like, what? You need to go fly. 
<laughs> my wife says that to me. It's like you're completely, you know, you you're 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 not right now. You're not inspired. You need to go fly because we know that when you go. Actually, we know if you went to fly because on Mondays when we see you, it's like, oh yeah, he went to fly because he's like, you know, shooting nonstop and doing stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I agree with you, hundred percent. It That's is awesome. it is such a, th- a thing for the for the mind, you know. So I think we could probably talk about a million other topics, but I want to make sure we hit this one first. So for those that don't know, Augie is one of the two gentlemen running for the open slot on the board of Urcha. And I want to start to talk about that here. So I think, honestly, the first question we usually ask folks in this situation is why run at all? What makes you want to be on the board of Urcha? Okay. So in other words, why do you want to subject yourself to that? <laughs> exactly. Except, you know, the real why get involved? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to start with giving you some information that is not public. I haven't, I didn't want to talk about it, but now it is relevant. So that's something that might be, people may know. This whole thing that happened uh, with the, you know, the, the, um, the whole brouhaha on the, on the net about Erchan, this, and, you know, the, uh, I forgot what is the name of that, those threads on Kelly Freak. That, happened, you know, this thing started in 2019, I think. Yes, correct, 2019. And back in the time, uh, the president of Bircha, I had known for a very long time because you might not know about this, you know, but uh, when I was um, running uh, Avant, I was the first guy to be a platinum sponsor for Bircha. And uh, as you know, I, what I, I was having conversations with him back in 2016 or so about uh, making Ircha more of a, a, like a, um, a Red Bull event in the sense of, you know, promotions and things like that to make the hobby more of a mainstream thing. And so I came up with this, um, you know, bring same things that they do on those uh, events like uh, bring the Ircha girls competitions and things like that. And, and also promotion in the mainstream, wherever we could, you know? So I was the first and then hobby, um, what's the name? The horizon hobby also joined me on that, on that, uh, and we became, so I had a very strong relation with Ircha and I knew everybody in Ircha, but I did have a lot of, uh, uh, a good relation with um, president at the time, uh, Charles Anderson. And um, they knew that, you know, the guys at uh, Ircha, and they were concerned about the situation with the funds and all that. So they asked me to mediate, intercede, and see how we could get uh, the information and try to get the whole thing, because they were finding resistance with, uh, with Charles. And they know that I have a very strong uh, legal experience and because that's mostly what a CEO does in reality is administer contracts and, and, uh, and um, sit down with lawyers and accountants and this and that. And so you become more of a, you, you get a lot of knowledge about law and, and business law and cases and all kinds of stuff because your lawyers train you. They tell you the different um, laws and, and things that apply. and don't. So what happened is that they knew 
that I had that background and they asked me, okay, so we have this situation and you're a friend and, you know, you have this background. Is there any way you guys, you can help us? And I said, yeah, just let me get a hold of girls and talk with him. So uh, during all that, I was able to get the information that they needed. I was given, pretty much I, I explained to, to Charles uh, that whether he liked it or not, they would be able to get all that information and all that stuff. So he might as well just cooperate and get all the things. So I was, because of the fact that I was, you know, his friend, I was able to tell him, you know, this is something that will happen regardless. So, you know, let's just do this, you know, let's get all this information. So he gave me access to all the bank accounts. I was able to download all the bank uh, statements, transactions, and everything else uh, from the time that he was running that. He was uh, involved with Hertha for 14 years, and he did a fantastic job. That is the truth. Nobody can, I don't think anybody that, that was working with them, and, you know, from the point of view of a, of a sponsor can tell otherwise. He really, really dedicated himself to, to make that event uh, really good, and he did a good job. Uh, that being said, uh, this whole thing that happened uh, brought a, you know, a difficult point for everybody. So I was able to bring that information and to try to figure out a way for that to be fixed. And I negotiated his resi uh, um, resignation from the, from the president position. And, um, and that's why I, some people were wondering, because I was at Urcha in 2019 from Monday of that week, but nobody saw me until Friday night. And that was mostly because I was working that. That's why the announcement happened on Friday, I think, Friday morning, that, uh, that I had resigned. That being said, I want to clarify that nowadays uh, we don't have a friendship or anything of the sort. Uh, when that happened and all these things came to light, I um, obviously took it uh, pretty hard in the sense that I was surprised at what happened. And um, I pretty much uh, cut my friendship with him. And um, we are no longer in friendly terms. Now, it's a shame, but that's uh, what happens when uh, these things happen. So there is a, a long list of things that I was involved in from that point of view. And because of that knowledge, and this is the reason why, I have knowledge of exactly what happened, how it happened, why it happened. And I do have more of um, a different point of view, different critical point of view. For instance, um, a lot of people that I see, you know, the posts and all that, they, they were uh, posting about uh, some, some situation that happened with Mikado or something like that. That's what allegedly happened. Uh, that's what uh, Charles was saying on the, on the, the positions. But, uh, and they start attacking everybody, but they don't know that, for instance, uh, Tim, Andy Perry, and Wes were not part of Virtue at the time. And so they get all this uh, hate, and uh, people don't know that. They, they, they had nothing to do with, with any of that alleged thing. Nor I have been able to find anything that proves that that is the case. 
and I looked for a lot of stuff. Now, w would that mean that that didn't happen? No, I don't know, and I don't think anybody will know ever. Um, so you have to be um, pragmatic in the sense that you have to look at things like, okay, so what is it that we want? You know, what is it that we want for Urcha? And I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, is uh, what you want. You want Urcha to be restored. It's an organization that helps the hobby. And not only restore, but also complete the idea of what it should be. Uh, Urcha should not be simply an organization that uh, runs an event, which is basically what it is right now. It should be an organization that does a lot of things for the hobby, which I think we should get into that later. But because of the fact that uh, this thing is pending, there is a need to clean that up. There is a need to be completely transparent in every way. For instance, you know, there's, um, there's a need to have accounting uh, reports. There is a need to follow the rules of AMA. Uh, regarding uh, special interest groups, SIGs, like IRCHA, which required that all of the members, without exception, need to be elected at least once every two years. And that hasn't been happening, or partially happening, and that should not be the case. Now, with the internet and all the things that we have now, that is something that should be done uh, pretty easy, because we could um, have uh, databases uh, that keep uh, track of all the memberships and things like that and, and do voting using the uh, third parties independent uh, systems. And because that's what gives people, you know, peace of mind, whether that is necessary or not, eh, I don't think that would be necessary. But because of uh, all this stuff that has happened, it is a requirement now. And that has to happen. So there's a lot of stuff that has to do with organization that needs to be fixed from the point of view of how it's run, the point of view of how it's accounted, point of view that the transparency needs to be effective and real. It needs to happen in, in a way that, that anybody that has some common sense uh, can go and look for the information and get it. Why is that? Because... Uh, IRCHA is registered as a nonprofit organization, and nonprofit organizations are required by law to um, disclose those things. They're not going to be disclosing that you cannot be a nonprofit organization, which the um, IRCHA uh, was not actually. You know, they were, they, uh, the IRS took that away from IRCHA because they did not file the financial uh, statements for that. Yeah. All of that needs to happen. And I do have a lot of experience on that. And, and I thought, ah, I, I, somebody has to do it. So that is exactly why I want to do that, as well as additional things that I want to talk about later. Okay. What can Urcha do that is not, or has never happened with Urcha? Sure. So I'm all for transparency. We've been really vocal about that here on the podcast, that one of the things we would like to see for Urcha is increased transparency, much in the way that any 501c3 would operate or not-for-profit. But hearing your history with Urcha, what do you have to say to all the people that really want to move Urcha forwards, that they want to move it away from what happened in the past? And obviously, you've been a positive influence in moving them away, but you have a history with them 
What do you say to people looking for change, people that maybe weren't part of the system before, but want to see Urcha move forwards? When you say you have a history with them, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you've been involved with the resignation of the previous president. You know, you've been involved in the past with Urcha. You worked with them for years. Many of us are looking for someone to bring new change, new blood, someone new to Urcha to take us Mm -hmm. forwards. What do you say to those people? Well, my involvement with Urcha has never been with Urcha itself as as an organization day-to-day or anything like that. What I have done with them is, is as a volunteer, like when I did the Urcha app for them, you know, make an Urcha app for, for Urcha to, to have that to, you know, to provide for people, you know, to provide for the hobby because I, I figured we needed that. And that's why I programmed those, uh, you know, those two apps for, for our um, Android and, and, uh, and iOS. But this is the first time that I was involved and what this exposed me to was how, what a disaster it was. I was not aware that it was that bad. I was not aware that uh, it lacked uh, uh, pretty much anything that any company should have, you know, organization-wise. And, uh, and I know that without that, there is no way IRCHE can, can do its job, you know, of promoting and doing all the things. Um, it is a company that is, in a way, only dedicated to one event, uh, which is tied together with the NATS. As far as the AMA is concerned, what AMA wants is for the NATS to happen and for Irja to run the NATS for them, you know, the helicopter part of that for them. And um, me, as far as I'm concerned, no. What I want is for the hobby to grow. And um, my involvement with Urcha, uh, what it did is actually uh, open my eyes regarding uh, what Ercha was not doing and the way it was being done incorrectly. In my case, what I want to do with Ercha is make it into an organization that can do the work that we need to be done, which is the promotion of the hobby and get people excited about the hobby again. Yes. Like for instance, yeah, like for instance, I want Ercha to be an organization that can, that can put together uh, competitions at the you know uh, state level uh, for I, I call it um, you know from Wee 3D to to uh, advanced 3D for instance you know because the majority of the hobby is 3D I mean let's be honest it is what a lot of people like to do uh, so I want to have competitions that are similar to what people have on on the drones or on the cars. Because that keeps people interested, you know, and um, you have kids that uh, want to learn, so they 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 need the help and the and having like a junior league of three uh, D with a set of maneuvers that are easy for kids uh, to learn and things like that will get them interested and you know form friendships, which is a lot of what the hobby is about, friends, and um, and take that to a, a, a level, and not only that, uh, but Remember that the name of the organization is International Radio Control Helicopter Association, but it's not really international if you don't have uh, participation of the other countries. So Ercha should be a vehicle to make that happen. We should have the same things happening. And the way to do that is asking for help, asking for people in those countries, you know, who do you think 
would be a good person for this and a good person for that. Create kind of committees and things like that. And create rules and, and, and uh, processes to help uh, people in other countries so that this whole thing becomes a movement, a movement where you get people to uh, like the hobby, get excited about the hobby, that they go on the weekend because there's a competition for this and that, and then they go and visit other clubs because, oh, that competition is going to be in this club, in a local area, right? Like where there's like four or five clubs, then this competition is going to be this, this time on this one and the other one in the other time, in the other place. And then they go at county level and then they go at a state level. Believe me, that is a lot of fun. And it doesn't have to be an actual phone flight because those things can be done without spending much and with minor uh, organization uh, difficulties. And, uh, and that's what, what you want to do. You want to teach people how to do that. You want to give them guides, you know, documentation. This is how you do it and how, how to provide um, information for the participants. And these are the maneuvers. These are the videos on how to do it, how they're judged and things, that, things like that. So you, you also train the judges to, do, to, to be able to, uh, to score and things like that. But all of it, so it becomes an activity throughout the year all over the world. That's what we want. And then by the time we get to, you know, national competitions and things like that, everybody's involved. Everybody has, because they have been involved in this, so they follow what's going on. They get excited and look at stuff, you know, high-five each other and things like that. That's what we want. We want to have excitement in the hobby. And that happens when people get involved. And that is one of the reasons, for instance, when people ask me, why are you doing the instinctive flying technique? I'll tell you why. Because I know that, for instance, you have, um, you, you know him as Aklem, Richard Ke mm -hmm. Keppel? Yeah. He is, um, I don't know, almost 70. And he just posted it. I mean, you saw it on, online. He is doing pure flips. He learned that by using the intensive flying technique. His first concern was like, you think I'm being this old, I can do that? I said, yes, as long as you can you know, stand, you can do that. And he said, what do you mean? It's like, well, you have no idea how many muscles you are controlling when you're standing, just so you don't fall. If you can do that, that means your, your non-conscious system is working. That's the way you want to fly, using that system. So he followed the, the method, and he's doing that. Another one that is doing that is Ben Minor. Dr. Ben. I mean, he is having a blast. And when he goes to, to fly with the FAI guys, uh, one of the guys came back to me and said, what did you do to his flippity flopping all over the place? <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's just <laughs> doing that. So he's doing pyro flips and things like that. That was to prove the, 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 the fact that to learn, you don't have a problem with, with age or anything like that. You just need to figure out what is the way that works for you. One of the ways yeah. was that, fine. But if you get people to learn how to do that, because everybody wants to do 3D. And if you learn how to do it, if some people teach you, if you help by setting up training uh, with support from AirChat, you're going to get a lot of people that, that spend five, eight years in the hobby and they get tired of trying to learn and they leave the hobby frustrated. That's what we need to prevent. Yes, yes, they, yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know that. You know because you've seen it probably, right? Yeah. So I want to break in here for a minute because there's yeah, a lot right. to unpack in there. You know, there was okay. a there was a lot in that that little message from you there. 
you know, as someone that came from thermal duration sailplanes, which was my previous love in the hobby, you know, that world has a lot of small local regional competitions that then turn into national, that turn into international. And, and that's what we're missing in the hobby. So I love that you're talking yeah. about reintroducing competition because I think mm -hmm. that's really important to driving interest. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you talk about that. Yeah. I'm thrilled to hear you talk about education. I mean, honestly, you talked a little bit, you talked about a lot in there, but that Urcha is a special interest group. Their job is not just to put on one fun fly exactly. a year or two fun exactly. flies. It's to educate, exactly. it's to promote, and to build the yeah, hobby. 100%. So exactly. I know if you were to win, you'd be one board member of, I oh, don't know believe how many, me. But believe me, you don't know me when. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm the worst nightmare that you can have. <laughs> they know it. You know, Wes, uh, he said, oh, if you win, they don't know what's going to hit them. Because <laughs> I've been there. Because he, he has worked with me on the website when I, you know, I started a website for, for them and then I trained him. So he runs a website. And, uh, and he knows if something's not done, oh my God, I would like get on his case. It's like, why haven't you done that? Why haven't you done that? And he would be in the middle of some other, you know, Europe. And he gets a text from me. Have you done this? Have you done <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I, because one thing that I have learned, and it's an important, very important thing, is how to delegate. You need to come to terms with the fact that you cannot do everything. Four people cannot run that organization. It's impossible. If you want to do it this size, you have to have people that help you people that are excited about it. So you need to get them excited. You need to get them to a point that they want to do it. Because when people want to do stuff, it's very easy to get things done. Yeah. If they're forced, it doesn't work. So what happens? You, know, you need to, to, to set a mission of the, of the organization. Our mission is not an event. Our mission is to make this a great hobby and make it exciting, fun, make something that people go on and they forget about everything else and they just enjoy their weekend there and, and have stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it has to be uh, an escape from, from all the daily stuff, a place where you can share with your family, with your kids, you know. I, I, I tell you, because I lived that with my dad. I could not wait for, for me to go out with him on a weekend and go fly airplanes and things like that, because it was just, to me, it was so beautiful. I mean, I, I, my memories yeah. of him with them doing that, they're irreplaceable. And that's what I want for the helicopter stuff. And if you learn how to delegate, then good stuff start happening at a fast rate because you don't have to be doing this. You have people that are, let's say, on the state level, some people that can coordinate other people. So what you do is you... Um, get reports from them and they follow through with with their counties or cities or clubs or whatever. It's something that that we would all have to discuss and discuss how to organize how to organize on what level and things like that. But it would happen because there's more people involved. You can yeah, and on that note running the whole world. Bustle. Yeah. You you talked about Urcha being an international organization and Absolutely. you're right. You you can't run Absolutely. that from just one country. No. We need to create no. more chapters and involve Absolutely. more people chapters. to get That's more people involved. Thank you. I mean, there's plenty of models in other organizations to look at and say, what did they exactly. do to succeed? And that's what they Let's do. <laughs> you, you can't do it all from just one central exactly. command office. You know, it's okay to so have you, a parent So you, for instance, let me give an example. You, you just said something that is important. You have been involved in 
the cell plane uh, side of things, and they, they have that. So you already have seen how it works. Guess what? You are an ideal candidate to, to help. Why? Because you already have experience on, and you, you know the things that don't work, and which is another important thing to know, you know? Because maybe you, oh, we used to do this this way, and because of that, then we change it to this. So we don't have to learn that. You already know how to do it, and then you tell us, you know? So things like that, and people that, are, that race cars, RC cars, or, or, you know, I bet you there's a lot of lessons that we can, can use from people that have experience on that, and you have to let yourself be taught by them. You know, you have to be open to people that have experience. And that's why I was saying you need to learn how to delegate. A good organization is one that knows how to direct the orchestra and not how to play the instruments. That is what an organization should be, to make sure that everything runs correctly and let people with their responsibilities on each one of the things do them. Because when you have small little things for somebody to do, that person can do it. But if you have everything to be done by only four guys, it's impossible. It just doesn't, it's not going to happen. It's, it's just, it's, it's a waste of time and it, and it just makes everybody upset, you know? So I think that we can make that. We need to also have in the board of directors participation from international um, members. We have to have people from, I don't know, Germany, uh, Japan, Korea, Thailand, you know, do you know how many people are flying in Thailand? And I mean, you see all the Asian participation, you see all the participation from Europe, the UK, places like that. They should have a say on the International Radio Control Helicopter Association because otherwise just don't name it international, you know? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And for that matter, if you're going to have one big fun fly that's international, it should probably move between Uh more than one country. Exactly. And only that, we should have an European Urcha, you know, an European chapter of Urcha, uh, uh, an Asian chapter of Urcha, and things like that. Why? Because they have different cultures, and they probably like to organize it in a different way, you know. Um, it's like I always say, you know what, uh, if Europeans like uh, Formula One, we like NASCAR. So they're going to be different, you know. It, in, in, they can set them up, you know, it's like uh, Sweden. You go to what used to be, I forgot what is the name of that 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 uh, event that was there. It was absolute madness, but that's the way they liked it. And it was fun, I tell you. What was any, I forgot. It was hilarious. And it was something that, I, mean, I, just, I haven't seen that many crashes in an event because it was, they like to push people until they crash. So <laughs> it's just the way it is. So everybody has a different flavor. We should be, Glad that we have all that uh, variety of, of, of things that we should support that, make charters for all of that, and the organization to become a hub for that, for organizing. And that can happen if you have people that push it, push it hard, and they are vocal, and they don't let people to, you know, to let, I mean, you don't, you don't let up. You, you just keep on doing it and pushing and pushing and pushing until things happen. Once that is there, once the organization is there, the systems are in there, the processes are, are documented, people can come and read and say, okay, this is the way we do it because these are the processes here. We have a book of how to do everything and the person that comes in and replaces you know how to, knows how to do that. If there's a need to change it according to the AMA rules, you and everybody has the right to propose a change and it should be submitted into a vote so that you don't have 
directors that become little dictators. And that is an important thing that we need to make it happen. We need to have in a place like Ercha, for instance, that might be a, a, a good uh, thing for Ercha to do. Have the meetings, propose the changes that people want, and vote on them. And get uh, they, uh, and that way you make sure that all of the ideas are ventilated, they are addressed and voted on. I mean, there's so much that needs to be done. I, I, it's just, I know it's going to be hell. And when you ask me what makes you want to do that, I know that it's needed. And I haven't been in this hobby for 57 years and not loving it the way I love it, not to, for, to, to let it, you know, suffer this situation. I don't like this. I like, I, I want to make sure that, that this thing works the way it's supposed to, to work and make it much bigger than it has ever been. You know, we need to have participation from a lot of people, different opinions, and make it happen, you know, organize yeah. it. Yeah, no, I agree. And in a minute, I want to give you the floor for some kind of closing statements on Urcha before we move into maybe X-Guard and some other topics. But I want to mm -hmm. give a chance, you and I have been kind of going back and forth for a minute, for Scott and Devin to get a word in here. Uh, Scott, yeah, yeah. <laughs> any questions from you guys? Well, the only thing I'd say is, Sounds like what we're talking about is going to take numerous years to get it there. Do you have kind of a game plan, what you want to see happen in the first, you know, half a year? First Absolutely. Year? And I'll tell you what, the game plan, and not only that, because of the transparency issue that I said, I would like to propose one and have people, like the same way, you know, our, uh, the, the common times and things like that, so people have a say. Because if you don't open yourself to suggestions, you are, are missing, in, missing out in ideas that you might not come up with and somebody comes up with that idea. So like, for instance, okay, this is a plan that I want to do. Does anybody have any additional suggestions? But do it publicly and people can, can um, um, address it and, okay, I think that we could do this and this and that. And if it's a good idea, well, bring it into the plan. You know, it is something that needs to happen. Once we get to a point that we have a, an initial plan, then, okay, let's, let's, let's limit it to this. And we're going to do these 10 things, for instance. And then these other ones, we're going to do it for later. And then you go and as you start um, getting them done, then you start bringing some new things to do. But the plan is, there's a, 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 something that people that have experience on, organiza on, on organizations know. Planning, uh, I'm sorry, plans are worthless. Planning is golden. The meaning of that is plans, when you are confronted with reality, tend to show that you are not ready for everything that came in. But planning, which is a constant planning, the constant looking at things and see how they are supposed to, to be fixed, is golden and priceless because it allows you to change plan, adjust them to the circumstances that you are finding out from the implementation of the plans. And that has to be a constant thing. And that's what the meetings of the board of directors, the meeting of the chapters, the meeting of, you know, we need to have all that because the, in, especially initially, you know, once everything starts running, then we can actually lower that, you know, and, and, and do more of like an update kind of a thing, unless somebody comes up with something that is important. But the initial part is going to be hard going to be hard, but it's going to require people that keep on pushing it. Because I, I know that, you know, that a lot of people 
when they see that, they go like, wow, that's a lot of work. Guess what? That's life. You know, life is a lot of work, but if you want to get anywhere in life, guess what you have to do? Work a lot. Work hard and intelligently. So the energy that you use gets more results. So yes, I agree. You know, that's something that we need to do, plan and, and, and uh, follow up with them, you know? Okay. What about you, Devin? Any questions? Yeah, I have one question. So if anyone, I want to go more towards the Urcha fun fly, we would call it now, but what used to be considered the world's biggest event. Yeah, the Jamboree. The Jamboree, yes. Um, if a lot of people have been in the hobby for a long time and been going to an Urcha for a long time, you all remember, like I do, when you went back to Urcha around 2016, 2017, where it was a massive event and mm -hmm. you could find all the top pilots there and talk to them and get experience with them and people that you idolize in a way. Mm -hmm. Would you, is your idea to bring it back to how it was or? Mm -hmm. yeah? yeah. I'll tell you how. Let me start with the beginning. You know, what happens for you to join it? You can either go to a phone flight, you know, to the Jamboree, or you can become a member, right? What is the first thing that does not happen? You don't get a card. You don't get a reply. You don't get a freaking email from Ercha. You don't get anything from Ercha. So you feel like, you know what? I feel like somebody stole $25 from me. That is just the way it is, you know? Although it's not true because people actually, you know, they're used for, for, for things that are needed for their event right now. The reality is that you don't feel that you belong. Why? Because nobody said, hey, here it is. You belong to the organization. Thank you for your, for your um, contribution. And this is the way you can help us. And that is primary. That is so important. Because let's say you buy a $25 um, uh, per, uh, membership, right? You get a card from Ercha, so you have, and then you get a survey, a survey telling you, okay, these are the different things that you can help Ercha with. You know, we have these competitions, we have all these chapters, we have all these organizations, and each one of them, if, if your club is in this list, you know, you want to make it part of the Ercha uh, clubs that, that, that uh, participate on this and this and that. Is there some people that you want us to communicate with, like your, your club president and things like that, so we can get in touch with them, you know, send them an email and invite them to become part of the club that, that, that uh, run these uh, competitions and things like that. All of that is happening. And that is the first thing you go like, okay, I'm receiving a card and things. I want to have stickers, you know, with a year, nice stickers and stuff like that because I would put them on my helis. Because I'm a, a, a you know, a B-brain, yeah, whatever. I'm an idiot, yeah, that's fine. But you know what? I want a nice Urcha decal to put in my, on my heli and my, my toolbox and stuff like that. Why? Because it is my freaking hobby. That's why. I don't have to give anybody uh, reasons for that. I want to have that and I want to be proud that I join and I support that organization because the, the organization is giving the hobby back something that is important. So it's, it's like, you know, anywhere, I mean, you, you join anything, you, you get some, some, some feedback from it. We're, we're not getting feedback. We're not getting any uh, uh, stuff. That, that is just wrong. That's, you start in the wrong foot with, with, a, with a member doing that. So once you get that, right, you have a feeling of participation and people start uh, becoming interested. Then what happens? You know, you're going to have more people in the hobby, more, and especially, and this is important. That's why I want to make sure that people understand this. 
You need to teach people how to fly 3D. You cannot be the hot dog in your club and not to teach people. You need to get with the program and teach everybody. Why? Because the person that is there, he has an illusion and a thing that he wants to do, which is fly 3D or fly whatever you want. But you have to teach that person, help that person get there. Because once that person gets there, and then it becomes a lifelong hobby member. And what happens is that you make the, the population that is involved in the hobby grow. Guess what happens with the industry? The industry gets revitalized. The interest increases. And, this, the, and then what happens? You know, when you have all of these things and you have the final probably competition for the nation, competition of 3D happens at the Jamboree. Everybody that was involved in that will want to go and watch their guys that were competing and they were cheering for go to the main event and then you have people coming in and things like that. And then guess what happens? Because I was a, a sponsor. The sponsor doesn't mind supporting the event because the sponsor sees results with um, supporting this organization. Why? Because they see in their, in their financials that this had an effect on their sales and they don't have any problem whatsoever supporting something where they see that that uh, comes back to them in a benefit. And we have to be realistic. That is the reason why they have a company to make money. So if we somehow increase the number of pilots and increase the market size, that will help all these companies be more supportive of that one and maybe additional events. Who knows? Maybe it becomes into a size that they can support the city events or the state events and things like that. And uh, it, they wouldn't have a problem with that. So the more you, you create more volume of participants in the market, the more people that want to go to Ercha, to the uh, Jamboree, will be. So what happens? If they have a ton of people in, in Ercha, then um, the owners of these companies that have the uh, sponsored uh, super pilots, that, that, like you mentioned, will be willing to pay for them to fly from whatever country they are to the Jamboree because they get to have a benefit. They, have to, they get to have exposure. For instance, Ercha should have a forum, a forum like a Helifri kind of a thing that by, by Ercha so that people could ventilate all the things without having any kind of commercial interest. In other words, be a forum for hobbies, by hobbies, and where you could actually control not only a hobby like a forum like that, but also a hobby that you can control the trolls yourself. It's like the same way you have on Facebook, where you could simply um, delete uh, somebody's reply that you don't like and things like that, because if it is fits your thread that you started, well, guess what? You, you, you should administer that thread. If you don't, if some people are being disrespected, just delete it. So there's a lot of stuff that can be done that you could have people in charge of those things. You know, there's people that have um, experience in, in, uh, in the IT, people that, that have experience in legal stuff, people that have experience on, on, on um, technology that could provide a lot of content that would be very good for, for, for all of us and, um, and bring them all of the things into, into all the social media and things like that. 
And another thing that that uh, IRSA should be doing is promoting in social media. How do I know that? Because I do that in different products that, that I, different companies that I do, and it's not expensive and it's very effective. So uh, people that have some inclinations, when they get exposed to something like um, like a video of uh, Tarek flying in that uh, beach, for instance, that is impressive. People, they watch that. If somebody has never seen something like that, and they go, wow, I want to learn more about that. And then they're, they're sent to locations where they can see a lot of that and what's going on or forms or things like that. Then they get excited and they start getting into it. And if they have a guide that tells them, if you want to start starting this hobby, this is how you start. And they, you send them to the One Piece, you know, the... the um, uh, goose skies and things like that, some small helis, and but they can see them flying similar to what they saw, and they see the numbers, you know, the prices and things like that. Then they're gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna try this." And if you make sure that you teach them 3D, if you make sure that they really are going to learn, then they will be hobbies forever. All of that stuff can happen. All of it can happen as long as we have the will. And I bet you a lot of people out there, a lot of you, you know, know that uh, that is the case and know that, that if you could have a chance to do it, you would do it without a question. But if you don't have, if you don't feel that there is a possibility, then, you know, you get disheartened. And that's what we have to avoid. Yeah. We need to have that, that, that happen. No, I'm with you there. I, I certainly agree in the power of social media, in recruiting and driving interest. You know, there's a lot there. So we're, we're starting to run out of time, but a couple of things I want to touch on really quickly. I, I'm sorry, based on the, the timing of the election and how quickly we all found out about this, that we weren't able to get Jeff on, who is your opponent. Um, but I do want to just kind of give you the floor for a couple of minutes here and just ask you, why should people vote for you over Jeff? You know, what... Uh, it sort of here's your two minute campaign speech. Well, I think that the whole conversation could be useful. I agree, <laughs> but I, I don't know, Jeff. I, I I really don't know, so I can't say anything uh, that differentiates me from him. Maybe he has the same exact ideas. Who knows? And that would be um, perfect. Uh, now, what I want you know, what I paint people to know is that you already heard my ideas and. Um, and that's my intention, you know, it's, uh, it's up to everybody. It's not really, and by the way, I don't want to be in that organization for too long, maybe one year, two years or something like that, and uh, find people that, uh, that are, you know, um, really, really, um, uh, what do you call that, um, into it, you know, people that, that, that can, because it's something that I, that I do a lot, you know, I, I, I do that a lot in, in organizations that I participate. I get the whole thing organized and started. And that's pretty much what I want to do here. I want to um, organize it and make it to, so that we have all the things in place, all the systems in place and all that, and maybe stay as a, as a consultant kind of a thing, you know, for, for, for later. So whatever time it takes to get that done, that's what I want to uh, uh, participate in that and then continue as part of my hobby and, and, you know, consulting and things like that. But I think, and I know that there is a lot of people with a lot of time that would love to be participating in, in that, um, in that once that, uh, that's all set up, you know, 
that should that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think finding people because let's face it, this is a volunteer organization. There's exactly. not money to pay people, so we have to find the right people who are passionate about the hobby, who can build this network of people that can truly promote it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, hundred percent. So we're gonna have to let you go in a minute, but before we do, I want to talk about X Guard just for a minute. I gotta okay. confess, I'm a little bit of an X Guard fanboy. I like that. <laughs> I like that X Guard fills this niche in the hobby where it seems like your company finds these small needs in the hobby that are important and it develops these yeah, products. Exactly. Maybe they're not glamorous. Exactly. They don't make your helicopter faster. They don't give you more power. They don't let you do pyro flips, but they're important needs. They're capacitor backups with telemetry. They're setup tools. They're uh, nitro tools, you know, glow, glow starters, things like that, that, that fill these important needs in the hobby. So it seems like you're, you're looking at where are the needs in the hobby and how can I help? And, and what do I want is my guess that maybe you develop some of these for yourself. But let's just talk super briefly about XGuard, about what's driving your development of these products, what, what makes you interested in them. And then briefly, well, never mind. I'll let you answer that one and then I'll hit you with one last question. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's very simple. Um, XGuard is a company that was created because uh, Angel and Frank, Angel Rojas and Frank Moradielos, wanted to get, uh, wanted me to make for them some capacitor uh, backups because the company that was making them went out of business and they wanted me to make it for them. So that's what I started doing. You know, I, I did some for them and then they said, oh, can, can we also get a thing for this and that guy? It's like, okay. The thing started becoming more and more involved until until I said, well, might as well just do it, you know, for, for everybody because, you know, it's starting to grow. And what happened is that because of, of the response, we started making more and more products. The point that we came now, the, the, the fa you know, the, the, the de facto standard, and we became the leading company that makes uh, these kind of products in the world. We have distributors all over the world. We have, you know, uh, dealers everywhere and and you know all the top pilots i mean we're talking about every single one of the ones that 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 go to like global 3d and people like that they're all team pilots because they love the products and um you know it's just it's just like you said you know feeling a need i pretty much i hate crashing that is the reason why i make these things <laughs> <laughs> i really am i'm a lazy person i want the thing to to light up my 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 glob log and it's something I forgot it doesn't work because I forgot to do something I don't want the thing to start you know hot start or something like that I want it if the thing goes into into a crazy um, engine you know chicken when dance. they go crazy chicken, chicken dance. dance I want the thing to stop automatically I don't you know I want to prevent me from having to fix anything <laughs> I'm to repair that's, that's the actual main reason why I do these things but uh, you know that's a, it's a fun thing to do. You know, it's just another fun thing, another hobby. Right on. So before you leave us, I got to ask, what's XGuard working on now? Anything new in the pipe that you want to talk about? Yeah. A lot of math. <laughs> like I said at the beginning. Um, okay. There is so much new technology on the electronics field that have not been applied to, to the hobby. And that's what I'm working on, applying some new technology that is available 
And I think that the hobby is a little bit behind, and I want to get all of that into the hobby. And that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, right that's, on. Uh, yeah. Well, when you're ready to talk about what you're working on, hit us up. We'll have you on again. Yeah, that's I could talk about XGuard and product development and stuff for a long time. So, yeah. Uh, I do want to say thanks, Augie. We really appreciate you coming yeah. on. It's great to talk with you. You certainly have a lot of passion for the hobby, which I think is really important. Yeah. You have a lot of a lot of heart and a lot of interest in what's best for the hobby. So, I wish you the best of luck in the election. I hope it. Right. Uh, Thank you. You know, I hope it it means positive change for Urcha most of all. But uh, thanks for coming yeah. on, man. I really appreciate it. Alrighty, thank you very much, and thank you, uh, Devin and and uh, Scott. Yep, thanks, Augie. Thank you, Augie. Okay. You guys, bye bye. All right. Well, that was certainly an, an interesting talk with uh, Augie. He's obviously got a lot of plans for Urcha. Uh, we'll see how much he's able to accomplish in the time he can allot to his uh, well he hasn't won yet so first he has to win the election but certainly he's got a lot of interesting plans for Urcha and if he you know sticks with them long enough he's got uh, a lot of positive good he uh, may do there what did you guys think I think it's good I think I agree there's a lot of stuff that he's talking about I'd love to see what what he wants to accomplish while he's physically there for the first year because he said you know he only really wants to spend a year or so there um, so kind of like what they do with the president. What are you going to do for your first hundred days sort of thing? Because I feel like Urch is at that state. Like it's so broken right now. We need to know what your plan is to fix it, not just I'll fix it. But I think if anybody can do it, um, I think Augie has the motivation to at least rock the boat violently and make stuff happen. The other thing I have to comment on is I really wish that Urchu would step up and give us some information on this other guy. Jeff is his name. Yeah. Like, we shouldn't have to play, you know, Inspector Gadget here trying to figure out who he is because everyone I've talked to doesn't know him. We should get some information on, on who they are. How about a cut sheet that says this is who you're voting for? Wouldn't that be, a, you know, a crazy novel concept? Yeah, I mean, there is a brief bio on their website, but that's it as far as I found. Yeah. What about you, Devin? Well, I can say there was... A lot of information through the whole talk that we had with Augie. A lot of information. And of course, there were a couple questions as well. And um, depending on if he wins or not, like Scott said, very interested to see what happens early on, especially for the fact that he uh, stated that he doesn't really want to spend any more time than two years in there. So I'm very interested to see what he actually gets accomplished in the two years. Yeah, and honestly, I think if he can take the passion that he obviously has and use it to recruit more people, get more people involved, then there's a great potential for it to snowball and, and carry forwards. But if he's not able to bring more people in, then there's only so much you can do in a couple of years. But, you know, I liked, I liked, really liked a lot of what I heard. You know, this idea of Urcha being more than just an organization that puts on one fun fly a year, that it's truly a special interest group, that it truly takes direction to bring more people into the hobby and educate people. And, you know, he's got a, a lot of great ideas that it being an international organization and trying to create more chapters and, and really globalize it. I mean, that all has potential to do great things for the hobby. So I hope that's what it turns into, honestly. Yeah, I'm in the same boat here. I actually couldn't agree more. 
All right. With that, anyone have anything else to add about the, the Urchie elections? I'm still mad they're doing it via email. Yeah. still think that's dumb. That's I agree. Cool. I actually meant to ask Augie about that, but we just kind of ran out of time there. But that's water under the bridge in some ways. It is what it is at this point. But uh, I certainly wish that had been improved as well. I'm with you. All right. With that, that's going to wrap things up for this week. Thanks to Augie for coming on. Jeff, I'm sorry that the period we knew about the election was so short that we didn't really have any time to reach out and get you on as well. Certainly in the future, I'd love to get both sides on. Uh, and and be able to hear perspective from both sides. So apologies for that, Jeff. But Augie, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate uh, in uh, hearing. We look forward to uh, seeing what you're up to at XCard. It sounds like you got something in the works. So we'll uh, look forward to hearing about that some more. Uh, with that, uh, if you want to reach out to Dan, send him a get well message or something to maybe just put a smile on his face, you can hit him up at dan at rchnv3.com or find him on Facebook at Dan K. Reed. Uh, if you want to send something to me, you can hit me up at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com or find me on Facebook at nickwisdomrc. And uh, what about you, Devin? If someone wants to reach out to you, how can they find you? They can uh, touch their phone and <laughs> pull up the messenger thingy. The uh the white with purple thing and send me a message that way or you could just do it through email at devin at rchnv3.com. Uh, what about you, Scott? If folks want to get a hold of with you, Ugh, I can't speak. Scott, what about you, man? If folks want to get a hold of with you, how do they do that? You could shoot me an email at Scott. I'm glad it's going around. It's not just me. <laughs> You can shoot me an email at scott at rchnv3.com or I'm semi, sort of, maybe not back on Facebook a little bit, kind of here and there. Not paying very much attention to it, but you can look me up there, Scott Graham. Or Instagram, I'm not on there either, so don't bother. Just email me. That'll work. Did you say Instagram? Instagram. There you go. So, <laughs> fellas, I feel like we have a unique opportunity here. We can do like a Mad Libs, how do you get a hold of Rob? Oh, shit. So <laughs> what you need to do is you need to go down to your local tractor supply. And you're going to need to buy three ducks. The reason you need to buy three is because sometimes things happen to ducks and they don't all make it where they're going. Anyway, so you're going to have to get three ducks. You're going to have to buy a roll of duct tape specific <laughs> for ducks. And you're going to put the tape on their back don't actually get on their wings because they're not going to be able to fly. They're going to have to be able to fly in order to get Rob the message. Anyway, so stick it in the back of a duck and then duct tape a flashlight on the underside of the duck because he has no internet, which I assume he has no power either. So the duck's not going to be able to see. So he's going to need a flashlight. So once you've got that, write your message on the tape on the back of a duck. Give it a firm spank on the butt. And one of those three ducks is going to make its way to Detroit. Um, so long as it doesn't go through Flint, it won't drink the water and die. It should be fine. It'll make it to Rob's house. Wow. That was awesome. <laughs> I don't think Rob could have done that better himself. <laughs> I was worried I'd run aground halfway through. <laughs> well, I was thinking Devin and I would have to come help you, but you ran that all the way home. That was great. <laughs> All right. So with that, I hope none of you end up ducked this week. And uh, thanks for listening. This has been uh, episode 27, Urcha Elections with Augie. Yeah. Rob, go duck yourself. Yeah. Don't let the duck shit on you on the way out. Yeah. Duck you, Rob. Duck you, Rob. <laughs> it's like a cluck you. <laughs> cluck you. Get well soon, Dan. We miss you, brother. <laughs> <laughs>